0: yo yo welcome welcome to the millennials podcast my name is meeks you can find me at the young underscore pilgrim on instagram we're going to be discussing everything that implicates young people today so thanks for joining and we hope that you enjoy Welcome to the Millennials podcast. My name is Meeks and I'm your host. You can follow me at the young underscore pilgrim at Instagram and other platforms. So today I'm here to talk about my experience in Europe. I was there a couple of weeks ago. And so basically I went out there twice. So the first time I went for a conference in London, which was fantastic. And the next time I went for a social visit and I really pushed myself the second time in the month of October, going to Europe twice, it's kind of a feat. So first place I went to on my second time out there, is Munich. So that was the first stop. Okay. And the reason I did that is because I've always had an affinity for German history. You know, people tend to basically stick to the bad history that the German country has kind of had in the last, let's say, a hundred years or so. But Prior to that, Germany was very advanced in their way of policy, politics, society, and economics. So I've always had an affinity for the German history. Of course, in Munich, which would be the old guard, East Germany, they were basically suppressed for a while, I think, in my opinion. And ideally, they didn't have the same rights during the Cold War that perhaps the West did. So that's something to take into consideration. So it was my first time going out to East Germany. i had been to West Germany before. Berlin, good times. Enjoyed my stay there. It wasn't long enough, so I don't have too much of a context, but I was able to visit Leipzig in the West as well as Luther's house. So Martin Luther, the great reformer, I went to his castle, a home, and that was a really great experience. And I was deeply touched by the history there. So this time around to Munich, I definitely wanted to experience the advancement in technology. So definitely wanted to check out the BMW Museum, which is in Munich, which is great. I really wanted to go out to see the sites in the Mercedes-Benz Museum but that was a little further out so i was unable to do that maybe on my next trip but places like heidelberg I'd, I'd really like to explore germany a bit more so it's my location of choice and thankfully this time i had a friend who was meeting me there so she was gracious enough to show me around some of the places that she knew and new places that we discovered together so overall it was a great time shout out to the hotel that we stayed in Wonderlock is a really nice spot i highly recommend it it's got like a really homey feel so i would recommend checking that out locks in Sendling in Munich, not too far from the central district. So, always a treat to get top-notch customer service. So lately I've been really drawn to good customer service because I get the sense that there's not too many people who actually are invested in good customer service. And the sad thing is, these are people who own their own businesses. So I was dealing with a lawyer in New York and he had to kind of file some paperwork for me before the deadline. And I sent him all the stuff that I thought he needed. And unfortunately he didn't file the paperwork on time. And now we have to request an extension. You know, I'm talking to these guys who are building out a website for me. And, you know, months go by, I've paid the deposit. I'm like, what's the status? And then they send me the status when I requested it, and it's sort of like what's happening to people being proactive even in things that they're invested in I just don't understand it and you know it's easy to chalk these things to race and and all these like inequality issues but I give people the benefit of the doubt so I'm, I'm not going to do that in any event the customer service in Germany at this hotel it's a British owned chain of hotels and they have a few all over Europe and I think they're expanding and if they come out to the U.S. I definitely would want to be an investor much better than what we have in terms of like Hyatt it's at that quality of the Hyatt, but more affordable, much more affordable. So I think they definitely have a competitive edge if if they were to bring this into the U.S. and they were allowed to come in and compete with the Marriott's and all these other guys. So Germany, interesting place. I was on the trains, a lot less uh, people of color in germany than perhaps in berlin and um i guess it's a nice place to settle people are very like head down going to work it's it's a very serious city as you'd expect the germans to be which in my opinion is a good thing but also from my understanding from germans who've left germany to other parts of europe say for example portugal they get the sense that it's a little too business oriented and people are just kind of like on, on the treadmill the nine to five grind and maybe on the weekends they'll have a social life so it's definitely a little bit more of a serious place and i get the sense that they are not comfortable with their history they really haven't shrugged off this dark monica from you know the 1940s during the uh, hitler era it just seems like that's a constant kind of ghost that's kind of trailing on them so something i noticed about the culture there now the museums were really great and the architecture is stellar i mean my understanding was that munich was um, bombed during world war ii so i think they just replicated the old style of the buildings prior to the war because i really i really like that old roman greek type of architecture so so, walked a lot and it was this time I walked an entire block and it was just back to back to back to back buildings you know how in New York like you'll get on An avenue and which is pretty long, but the avenue comes to an end. So these guys, the avenue doesn't come to an end. It's just an entirely one extended block. So it's like walking from let's say Fifth Ave until I would say, let's say ninth Ave or something in New York City. Pretty interesting. And it's beautiful buildings. And you won't find like cafes on let's say the business blocks. I did not see any cafes. It took us a good many minutes to find a place to sit down and have breakfast before we hit up the museum. Okay, so we go to this museum, it's the Munich Museum, and of course this is where the old aristocrats of Bavaria lived and got to experience the castle that's right there in the center of the city. Really nice museum. I don't think we paid to get in. If we did, it was just a couple of euros. And what struck me going in was this huge kind of structure or sculpture of two Beings. And this is where it gets a little weird. So it's these two awkward looking, androgenic, angelic slash humanoid with goat's feet statues welcoming you into this museum. I was astounded. And they have this sinister look, right? And that was just like, whoa. So these guys are really not hiding who they kind of support in terms of their spirituality. I mean, that's an, an homage to, to the wicked one. Yeah, I think that's pretty clear. And so that was interesting. So I'm going in and this is kind of like part of my context as I'm walking around this museum, which is vast. Now they've said the, the museum or the castle in Versailles is humongo and could take you an entire day to finish. This thing was big and you know, it took us at least three hours to get through most of it. And it's probably stuff that we didn't see, but I can imagine the castle in Versailles must be insane. So that's on my short list. In any event, so great architecture From yesteryear and yestercentury, we got to see the king's chambers, the queen's chambers, all these different rooms with different artifacts and paintings. I mean, they did things very lavishly back then. But this idea of who they worshipped and their belief system back then just kind of stuck with me. And so it reminded me of a similar architectural kind of design, one like the one Rodin did. And he has multiple of them across the globe. I've seen one in the Cleveland Museum of Art, for example. But Rodin is, uh, I believe he's a French sculptor and he basically did this big piece out in Zurich which by the way was my first stop okay so Zurich was my first stop and I went to the museum there and there's this huge sculpture outside of the museum also and if you look intricately at this design it kind of reminded me of the one that I saw in Munich insofar as it had allusions to some kind of like battle a spiritual battle and if you've read the bible and revelation and all this stuff you'll get a sense of this great controversy between good and evil and this sculpture or artifact basically depicts that battle. And it shows one who has basically his chin is resting on his hand, which in my estimation and studies, I've been told that that's a reference to the devil, basically, who was thrown out of heaven and sits high in some awkward part of the world and just kind of witnesses what's going on and tries to manipulate the goings on in the hierarchy of the spiritual world, which trickles down to the real world. And so this piece that I saw outside the museum in Zurich was centered on this being who essentially had his hand resting on his chin and again i've seen people who kind of pose for pictures like this and it's been said that they're kind of paying some kind of respect to that rodin kind of glorification of the wicked one i can't confirm that but it struck me as a piece that is both amazing in terms of the intricacy of the work that was done there but also kind of sinister and jarring because of the implications of what that means in as much as the leadership back then was following this course and not the course of the majority of the people say you know during the reformation era christ was glorified and revived from the pits of kind of disapproval so in zurich late at night i'm walking and checking out some different scenes i spoke to a lady maybe in her mid-50s very attractive, well-dressed. I asked her, ma'am, do you speak English? Which it's kind of like, they didn't speak English, would they know what you're saying. But for the most part, if they hear English, they'll probably respond in the affirmative, right? So I asked her if she knew any places I can check out late because I had a short uh, stay in Zurich. So I just wanted to mosey around at night. And she gave me a few suggestions. Again, she was really nice. And in retrospect, if she was younger, maybe I'd have um, spoken to her a little bit more to see if we could make it into a date because she seemed like she was looking for something. Anyways, I uh, hope she remembers me one day. She recommends a couple of places that were still open. So I'm walking around downtown Zurich, old town Zurich, which is beautiful. And, you know, I'm hearing some Americans at some random bars drinking the local beers there, wines. It's a really nice spot. And by the way, the weather was incredible. So I really enjoyed my time in all the cities I went to. And I eventually stumble across this church and... I'm like, man, this church looks interesting. And I look at the plaque on it and it says Zwingli. So Z-W-I-N-G-L-I. And in my history, I remember this was like one of the reformers in Switzerland. So during the 1500s, the 16th century, there's a huge reformation that came to the fore. It existed in the 15th century, basically, but it really came to fruition in the 16th century with Luther essentially stamping his 95 thesis on the door at Wittenberg, which I believe is West Germany. And ultimately this revolution um, against the catholic church basically found its way into france and into paris which is catholic stronghold there was a 30 years war soon after that like it was very contentious but prior to the 30 years war we had the french protestants had to leave paris and france and they found refuge in uh, switzerland particularly geneva so calvin Jean calvin found refuge and started his helvatic church in geneva switzerland and it was very successful so that was a place basically if you were shunned from france and you had a different view on the bible and you really wanted to live the bible as is described in the gospels without you know the hierarchy of the roman church kind of breathing that down your neck geneva is a place for you but there was also a cohort of people out in zurich so zurich is closer to germany and by the way they speak some type of german and when i asked these girls that i met at this amazing burger place called burgermeister they make the best burger i've had in my life and the patty is super thin. I don't even think it had cheese, but it was unbelievable. Talk about you don't even need ketchup for that burger. Of course, I had to add ketchup being a good American. Top notch. Burger Look it up. So I'm talking to these girls and I tell them, I'm just asking them random questions and they're engaging me. Very interesting. Like they're in their early 20s. One of them is in law school. They're in Zurich. And the other girl is in, I think she was working at a at a store or something. In any event, one of them had a boyfriend. The other girl was still searching the law school girl. So when I engaged in conversation, she was super excited about you know, I asked like, what type of guys do you like? And the one girl's like, well, I have a boyfriend. The other girl's like, well, I like these type of guys. I think she said she liked blonde dudes. It was it was a nice conversation. Then we moved on to like the history of Zurich. And I'm like, how do you guys have all these languages in this country that you guys speak? She speaks perfect English and they speak German in Zurich and in Geneva, they speak French. And so I was asking her, what's what's the story with that? How is business run in the cities? Like basically, let's say in Geneva, which I believe is a capital. And she was saying that ideally they translate it's kind of like Canada, let's say when they're in parliament, they'll, I think, speak in English and then translate into French. So there's a lot of that going on. And I think predominantly the language they're spoken is uh, French across the board. But yeah, German is an official language in Zurich. So that was interesting. So just going back to a story about Zwingli. So I find his church and I'm like ecstatic. There's like nobody around me. I started taking pictures. It's really dark. I didn't take great pictures, sadly, but I, t- I took a picture of his, uh, his plaque because the idea is this this was the bastion of reformation. And we've never seen such a revolution since, you know, we had the revolutions that were kind of propagated by Karl Marx during the 1800s, and 19th century, you know, there were all these revolutions after he wrote his, his book Das Kapital. And, you know, the Marxist uh, theories came to fruition in the mid 1800s. I think it was like 1844 when these books were published and it caused a great uproar and, and that sort of thing. So we hadn't seen a revolution of that kind. Prior to that, the Protestant revolution was the first of its kind. So it was fantastic to kind of see Zwingli and just put him into the context of the reformers of Switzerland. So there was a Calvin cohort in Geneva and these guys were very strict. So Calvinism believed that you had to keep the word the way it's written. They were very literal and you were either chosen or you were unchosen. In other words, there was such a thing as predestination in Calvin's project. However, I think with the folks in Zurich, with Zwingli and later like there was a guy called Heinrich Bollinger, I think they actually believed in the idea of, you know, what Martin Luther believed in, that your works basically were propagated by your faith in Jesus Christ and not by your own works. Could you get into heaven? So there was a slight differentiation of ideas between the folks in Zurich and in Geneva. And things got heated. You know, Calvin put a few people to death because it didn't toe the line and a few of them were exiled. So it, it was a serious, serious kind of contentious situation back then. In any event, so I'm here checking out Zwingli's church. I'm really enjoying my time in Zurich. And then the next day I had a little bit more time and I went over to check out this French architect that I had learned about not too long ago. His name is Le Cabusier, And he is just an interesting character. So his work is more recent, 1960s, 70s. Le Corbusier basically is known for incorporating old architecture, but putting a spin on it with kind of like modular designs. So he puts his own stamp on some of these designs, basically giving it a, a modern touch to an old kind of way of doing architecture. It was, it was really interesting. So I went to his museum in Zurich, which was pretty cool. And he's just hearkening back to this idea of functionality, making things for function and not necessarily for for vanity' sake, and I thought that was very interesting. And I don't know, it was it was a great experience. I like to think I'm probably the first black person that's been there, but who knows? Um, I just thought it was great that La Cabusier had a space in Zurich that I was lucky enough to go check out. Ultimately, I think art is a reflection of the times in which people live. So you put these things into context and you start having a sense of what they're thinking in terms of their ideologies. So like has been charged with having affiliations with the Nazi party, which I think are somewhat substantiated, but I'm not sure. And so he's building a new type of, you know, structure that appeals to that supremacist kind of way of looking at the world. So in a sense, it's a glorification of humankind. But at the same time, it's also this need to go back to the roots function. His later work, that is for sure. So La Lacabousie was great. It was nice to see that he had a museum out there. I followed that up with a visit to James Joyce's cemetery. And for those who don't know, James Joyce is, I guess, a controversial but well-respected writer from the 20th century. And I was interested in his theology. He was an atheist and was not much of a supporter of of Christianity, but he he wrote some interesting books. And it's sad to see. And he had a nice um, plaque in the cemetery they basically have an artifact of him sitting down and his his legs are crossed i think he's smoking a cigarette or something and his wife is also buried next to him so james joyce yeah so these are the type of guys who the world has kind of glorified and it's interesting that he was right there next to the zurich zoo which is where my bed and breakfast was was at so it was good to swing by and see you know who these men of previous generations um are kind of laid out and i'm not superstitious at all the dead know nothing the bible's told us so I didn't have any panic attack going into a cemetery. So that's my experience in Zurich and Munich. Moving on to uh, Austria real quick. So I went to Austria just to spend a day out there because I had some time and I was able to just jump on the train from Munich. And I got on the train really late in the day. I wish I got out there earlier, but I was at the Bayern Munich Museum, which was pretty interesting. So I stayed longer than I should have. So I'm out there in Austria, Salzburg. And the first thing that I noticed is that there's a ton of Middle Eastern people. So the, the Middle Eastern folks are running Salzburg. It's always interesting to kind of see how migration works and how how did they end up there? Which countries are they kind of from is something that I would like to know the answer to. So Salzburg is known for that's where Mozart's home is, which is which is part of the reason why I went. I didn't get to entered the museum. It was closing, basically, when I got there. but It was interesting to just kind of see that this is where he lived and created a lot of the pieces that are now famous and well known. So The Sound of Music was also shot in the hills of Salzburg. I could see the castle from Mozart's home, but I just, again, didn't have enough time. And shout out to the Egyptian girl who helped me get to the Mozart Museum. She was there working for, I think she said, Red Bull. Uh, and it turns out that's, I believe, a German company. She said, it's not American, which I was kind of surprised and she was there for a couple of meetings or conferences so she she pointed the mozart museum out to me so she was she was great and so that ended my quick trip to salzburg my last stop was in milan i took a bus from munich to Milan. And I've always wanted to visit Milan for a number of reasons. One of which is there's a legend that goes that back in the day, there was a bishop who said that when you go to Rome, do what the Romans do. And he was alluding to the idea that in Milan, they did things differently. For example, they kept the Saturday Sabbath for a very long time until it was untenable and Rome laid the gauntlet on them and said, yo, you guys have to, you have to change your ways. Like, we're not keeping the Jewish Sabbath or just the Sabbath as the Christians in Paul's day were doing. We're going to, we're going to keep to our Sunday tradition, which was struck into law in 325 by Constantine. So the Milan folks tried to hold on to their own traditions and Rome, no, that was the end of that. But that's apparently where that quote comes from. When you're in Rome, do what the Romans do. And Milan has great history. This, the Duomo is insane. I stood there in front of it just thinking, how, how long did it take to actually build this thing out? And how many lives were lost doing this? You think about the, the Egyptian kind of pyramids and you're astounded. Yeah, for sure. We still don't know how that was done. This Milan church, the Duomo, is just incredible. And we're talking about history older than the United States. Unbelievable. Beautiful. Beautiful. So I, I checked that out at night and during the day I had to do a double take, which was, which was awesome. And I'm just kind of astounded by that design. It's beyond words that I can express. The architecture, the stories that are told in the in the sculptures tell the story from, from the fall and all the way to Jesus Christ. It's beautiful. And I, I wish we could go back to designing things that are not too abstract because I ended up going into the museum right next door, which is El Museo, I think, 900. And there was great Italian art there. Of course, Leonardo da Vinci is from Milan, or at least he worked there for a long time. His work is all over the place. I went to his museum and he was a practical guy, like he was making props for, you know, flying objects and more than, you know, the Mona Lisa that he's well known for in the Last Supper paintings. He was a true inventor of his time and, you know, he got in trouble for some of the stuff that he did because it challenged the norms of the day. And I just wish there was more people who were willing to take that type of smart risk in our day and age. Everyone kind of repeats what they see other people doing and they make a better go at it, which is cool. But at the end of the day, we're all different and we all have, you know, this intrinsic creative vibe that I think we should explore or given the opportunity and Da Vinci was doing that. It's unbelievable. In any event, so the newer artists in Italy, like this guy I call, I found his name is, I think, Michael Nigro. I was tempted to say Negro, but his work is, is great. It's abstract, but it makes sense. So there's a level of abstract art that actually is appealing. And Nigro's work is great. And there's a, a few other pieces in there that I really enjoyed. So ended up touring Milan not long enough. Met some friends there also. who took me out to dinner. But generally speaking, the pasta place that I went to the first night by myself was it left a lot to be desired. The pasta was not all the way cooked. And when I told my, my friends, they said, yeah, that place is mediocre. So you kind of have to know where to go. But the cappuccinos, the pastries were on point. I mean, on point. The Italians know how to make a good breakfast and they're they're hospitable people. They just don't see a lot of tourists in terms of African-Americans going there. There's a lot of Africans who, when I got off the bus, were like waiting for me. And a guy sold me a, a pass for the train. So that was great. I just wish, you know, some of these folks were incorporated into society. But there's a huge, there's a huge gulf in terms of, of income. I mean. Giorgio Armani, for instance, has a store out there. Uh, so does Virgil Abloh. But Giorgio Armani is a billionaire at this point. And you think about the wealth in a place like Milan. I mean, the stores are out of this world. The fashion industry is a huge boon of their economy and very impressive. The tailoring, the the wool, the cotton, they, they use the best products. It was just a good showcase for perfection. And I'm really impressed by perfection, such as the BMW museum that I visited in Munich. It's just perfect. I've never seen a museum so well curated in my life. And the same is true for Milan. It was just unbelievable, beautiful clothing, the staging, the shops. But at the same time, you, you have to think that there's this huge divide between the rich and the poor. And, you know, the working class who wants to go watch AC Milan and are scraping a couple of shekels. I guess they use euros there. The lira is done deal to go watch a game. And yeah, there's definitely a sense that, you know, it's a divided city in terms of the economy. I mean, Berlusconi was from there and he basically was a party guy and spent a lot of money. was flashy. And, you know, you have to you have to think that there's a lot of people from Milan who are not on that level. And what does that mean for them in terms of their welfare? So I met a couple who were very nice hosts and they gave me a little bit of history of Milan. And this seemed to be kind of like the sentiment that they were sharing. And so the president there, or Prime Minister Maloney, I saw she wrote uh, an biography I went to the museum right next to the Duomo and the bookstore right next to it and they had a book on her I think she wrote it and one thing that was interesting was that it was many of the books that were being staged in this bookstore were flipped over in other words someone took the time to kind of flip the books from the cover page to the back page so that people wouldn't notice that her book was out and when I told my guests this they were they were surprised but you know there's this kind of uh belief that she's she's somewhat of a controversial figure so maybe that's that's why that happened I'm not sure about the the rights people have to kind of be vocal about things in italy and milan it seems like people are on the hush hush it's just kind of like you know the mafia of souls run some of these industries and that's how it's always been that's how it's always going to be so people just kind of find their lane and they just work at whatever they're doing and try and raise a family and try and keep up with the joneses where possible so it's still stuff that i need to explore in milan to learn more about the culture and the history but This was definitely on my bucket list, and I'm pretty stoked that I was able to visit the spot. And I would encourage uh, listeners to check out Milan, check out Zurich, check out Salzburg if possible, and of course, check out Munich, because there's much to be learned from just watching people and just exploring and seeing how other people operate in the world. You know, these countries that in Europe that maybe people don't necessarily talk too much about, of course, Milan and and Munich are huge, but there's just so much you can learn from the human beings and if we just had the humility to just go out there explore and and see people and give them the benefit of the doubt you know i ordered a few things in milan and they didn't come out and (laughs) i'm like what is going on and again you don't want to just say you know this is racism it could be but at the end of the day you know just take your take your talents elsewhere go find a place that's more amenable and the people i talked to were generally cool they told me where to hang out where to go um but you know, racism and, and all these things are a part and parcel of the world that we live in. So you're you're going to be disappointed wherever you go. Just uh, manage your expectations. And, you know, if you know what you're trying to accomplish, then don't don't be faced by the disappointing things that occur. Overall, I think this was a great experience and I highly recommend people travel to these countries and experience the culture, the food, the religion, the ambience and just watch and learn. So that being said, thanks for your time. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions, hit me up on the ground of course at the young underscore pilgrim until next time ciao yo yo welcome welcome to the millennials podcast my name is meeks you can find me at the young underscore pilgrim on instagram we're going to be discussing everything that implicates young people today so thanks for joining and we hope that you enjoy